Yes, hello and welcome to the first throw. Welcome back again. Um, I'm your host, Chris Dunius. It's an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure to have you with me. Um, it's the 10th of June, 2020. It's it's definitely been a, a different year than what we're used to. Um, the one thing that isn't different though is the sense of excitement that is building for the next beer pong championship. And of course, it's an extremely special one that we have this year in that it's beer pong 20, beer pong XX, the 20th tournament since the inception of the beer pong men's open championship. So it's a, it's a special time to be at the first throw. It's a definitely a special time to be a competitor of Beer Pong XX. And what we're going to be doing to start this podcast is that we're going to be reviewing Tournament 19. So Tournament 19 was an extremely exciting one. There were lots of plot lines and subplot lines heading into the tournament. And we were expecting a big one and it definitely did not disappoint. So I'm just going to be running through pretty much the competitors and how they all fared, the groups A, B, C, and D today with a final tournament wrap-up. There's a a lot of interesting discussions we're going to be having today. Uh, Just to name a few, there's going to be discussions in relation to integrity and uh, cheating. There's going to be discussions into monkeys finally off of backs a couple of disappointing performances, a couple of breakthrough performances, and of course, one exceptional performance. So that's all to come in today's podcast. I'm also just going to be giving a brief overview of Tournament XX, but very brief because there's going to be another episode to come before Saturday where we will have the draw organized and we are absolutely spoiled for choice in regards to Uh, competitors for Tournament XX because pretty much for the first time in in recent memory, we have an overflow of of supply. We have about 22 uh, participants that have put their hands up to play in Tournament XX. And unfortunately, that has to be cut down to 16, but we will be... um, We'll be letting you know how we go about that process. And obviously, by the next time you're hearing my voice, we will have a roster finalized. And just for timeline's sakes, that roster should be finalized this evening along with the draw. So without further ado, let's dive on in to the Tournament 19 wrap-up. And we'll start with Group A. So yes, Group A was a much-anticipated group. It had, for those who need a bit of a memory refresh and for those unaware, we had Etienne Harburn, Ben Akathiotis, Liam Hennessy, and Noah Harkins in Group A. So a group that was, was interesting to pick because of the fact that we had, obviously, a double champion in Ben, uh, former champion um, about five years ago in Etienne. Um, and we had Liam and Noah in there. So Liam, obviously the the perennial bridesmaid, um, so to speak. And Noah, a bit of an emerging player. So 
I think off the back of it, majority of spectators predicted and Etienne and Liam one two to go through and upset right from group A. We had, in actuality, we had Liam going through and we had Noah topping the group. So it was an extremely, extremely exciting group to watch because we had the behemoth um, Etienne Harburn who just always rolls on through and out of groups, it seems, um, come into a bit of trouble early. And it's it's pretty good for, I guess, the the whole culture of beer pong to see an emerging player coming through. So we had we had Noah really stamp his authority on the tournament because he's had a couple of slow starts previously. But this performance and to come out of a, a fairly tough group, probably the second toughest group of the tournament, and to come through flying plus five cup difference really showed that we could have a, a new competitor on our hands, which which definitely is exciting because you know the more the more the more new blood we have into the tournament and the the more of a change up in names that we have through the quarterfinals, semifinals and grand finals just helps build that intrigue. Um, it keeps keeps things fresh and exciting so we don't have the same old foes battling it out and it's it's a new it's a new name and a new face for the fans to get behind and, and cheer. So it's a great effort from Noah there. Very disappointing again from Ben. Um, he had a minus 10 cup difference. And I guess we say it time and time again, but I think it's it's pretty conclusive now to really buy into the narrative that the two tournaments that Ben won, I think everyone can agree, were, were weakened tournaments. Um, the lowest amount of top 10 competitors were in those two tournaments. And they were back-to-back, so, I mean, credit where credit's due, as we always say, to win the tournament, you need to win at least. Um, we have one, two, three, and about five games. So for him to win 10 games out of two tournaments at the least, it's a, it's a pretty good effort. So we have to give him credit there, but to not back it up consistently years after, I think I think Ben really needs to have a... A good hard look at himself. I mean, he loves doing that that at the best of times, but I guess this time he really has to have a have a good think about his strategy in beer pong. Might have to go and reinvent that throw because the the scattergun approach, as we always talk about Ben, just does not seem to be landing. Just not does not seem to be working, and he's not going to be in beer pong XX um, because of his um, his new venture that we are all excited to be a part and um, we really welcome the the amazing uh, t-shirt company that's going to be coming to Beer Pong and more news on that to come. So we're really excited for Ben in that regard and it's going to be fabulous to have and see all those shirts around. But it also is going to be a bit of a, a time for Ben to reflect and he should really use this tournament, I reckon, to really see and observe some of the better competitors and to try and see how he can improve his game in that regard. So disappointing there from Ben. Disappointing from Eddie as well. I mean, the games were close. He came out the bat really, really strongly. He had a good 6-4 win over Ben. And then he had two really tough games. I mean, the Edson Liam games we know are extremely tough. They, they always are. They can go for a maximum of three minutes at times when they're all hitting their shots. This one was a little bit longer. Um, and it was shot after shot after shot. Just didn't get the chocolates in that game. And again in Noah, 
Um, Noah actually came off really strong in that game and it's just struggled to wrestle that momentum back. So, I mean, it's not an embarrassment by any stretch of the imagination there from Ants. Two six five losses, and that is how the game goes. You're out of the tournament early, so I mean, he'll be looking to rebound. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be too disheartened from that. I mean, it's a sign of a, a sign of a champion when you're in those close games. Sometimes you find the will to win. You know, that just seems to always be the case. And for it's not to have that in this particular scenario. I mean, with all due respect to Lee Noah. No former champions there. Uh, Noah, the emerging player. Liam, more of that, as I said before, the kind of always emerging player that just doesn't really take that next step. But um, disappointing there for Mets, but he, he won't be too disheartened. You can't imagine he would be too disheartened because he did have that strong win against Ben and they are close. So it's just interesting to see how he, how he feels heading into the next tournament where his head's at how confident he is heading into the next tournament. But in terms of Liam Manoa, I mean, absolutely great showing. Liam with a 6-1 win over Ben, an absolute classical flogging there, um, which was really exciting to see. And it was a potential uh, nudie run offering that that Ben just managed to avoid again. Um, But Liam went again deep into this tournament, as we'll cover, um, finally starting to show that uh, potentially... Um, it's his time. Um, I know we say that quite a bit, but this is now actual tangible progress that we can see from Liam. And it's really good, as I said, to see Noah emerging and really starting to to be a candidate in this tournament, which is exceptional to see. So we'll head over to Group B now. And Group B contains uh, Clinch, Tom, Eddie, and Josh. So... Straight off, what you look at there is you look at Clinch, former double champion, but again, not not really in the mold of a Ben. I mean, the tournaments weren't weren't necessarily weakened, but there were some competitors missing, um, and just struggled to back that up in the last tournament where he was out in straight sets. and And this tournament um, didn't start off in a good manner, um, being quite comprehensively beaten. By Tom, 6'4", and uh, from memory, Tom had a very early strong lead that Clinch just failed to overcome. Came back with a 6'4 win over Eddie, and then um, just struggled with just struggled with, with Josh, and ultimately um, bowed out of the tournament there. It's, it's a little bit... It's a little bit concerning that this is now two in a row where Clinch has been um, tossed out of the group stages. I mean, he harbors greater ambitions. He wants to be up there with the with the the best the best of beer pong because he's got those two championships. And to his credit, there's not a lot of players that do have that double championship. So he wants to really, if he wants to be known as one of the better players, he needs to start showing on a consistent basis because. It's all well and good to hit a good patch of form, win two tournaments in a row. But if you're not able to back that up consistently, then where does that leave your legacy? I guess legacy is really built through consistent achievement. And we talk about achievement a lot in beer pong. I mean, you have 16, you have 16 competitors and there's only one winner. So ultimately, you have to kind of reevaluate what an achievement is 
if you just think an achievement is winning the championship because making it out of the groups is a good achievement. Making it to the walkouts is a great achievement and winning it obviously is the ultimate. So where I think Clinch really needs to recalibrate his focus is to making his achievements a little bit more consistent. So making it a theme to always come out of the group, making a theme to make it to the walkouts because that ultimately is where his legacy is going to lie. Because if you're constantly making it out of the groups, constantly making it to the semifinals and you're a double champion, well, there's your legacy right there. Um, you don't want to fall into the trap of of becoming one of the, the bends of the group, you know, making making a good hot run of form and then just wilting. So we, we don't want to see that. Um, where we were happy with, I guess, from a from a spectator standpoint was was Tom because Tom was definitely in that bed mold, won that tournament jack out jack in the box style um, and has not done much either side. So we wanted a little bit of showing from Tom. We wanted we wanted a bit of a bit of metal to say, well are you a champion or was it a fluke? I mean he's come out really strong. I uh, got the got the second spot on the got the second spot on the table and made it to the quarterfinals. I mean, we will we will definitely cover his quarterfinal with Harry because that's where we're really um, delving into the integrity aspect of the tournament. But he came out of a fairly tough group, you know, with Josh, Clinch, and Eddie, and he made a good run of it into the quarters. So, so again, here we want Tom to really solidify this progress and really show that he's here to stay, and he he wants back. He wants back at that title. I mean, he's not he's not happy with that Jack in the Box um, name tag. You know, the Anne Frank winner, that's it. We, we want, we, he wants something a little bit more. We want something a little bit more from Tom there because as, form, as a former champion, you know, there's a little bit of a respect that must be put on his name. And quite frankly, there's no respect put on Tom's name. You know, there's cheers from competitors when we do the groups and you're joining Tom's group. You know, how, how does how, how must that feel from a, a former champ? You know, you kind of feel like you you deserve something having won the having won a championship. And that's just not the case for Tom. So this will this will again like 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 the clinch narrative, this will help build that. Um, and we want to see more of it. He he hit some really hot form, toasted Eddie 6-3, lost a close game to Josh, and Ultimately, well, some would say deserve to beat Harry. So, I mean, that's a good tournament. And this is what we talk about recalibrating success and, and building momentum. Tom's really building that momentum now. So um, heading into to Beer Pong XX, if he gets a good group like he did in Group B, um, it's all systems go in that regard. I mean, Eddie was, a, Eddie was slightly disappointing in this tournament. Um, I mean, the closest he got to winning was was four cups. He lost 6-4, six, 6-4, four, uh, six, four, and 6-3. I mean, it's not humiliating, um, but it's a little bit disappointing from Eddie. Um, we, know, we know he's an absolute pleasure to have at the tournament, and he always puts in. He does get a little bit, a little bit sidetracked, though, and uh, I covered this in the last podcast. I covered this actually during the games with Eddie as well when he, um, he asked for a little bit of uh, advice in that regard, is just that when he's down a bit early, just say he's down about two or three cups, he really feels as if the game's gone. 
and he starts, you know, taking the foot off the gas. And we we really tapped into what this means mentality-wise for the other player when you see this. So, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing, who you're stood up next to in a game of beer pong. There's always nerves there. It could be a first-time competitor that you know doesn't have a very good throw. But at the end of the day, it's, it's beer pong. And we know that almost anything can happen once those balls start being thrown. So it doesn't matter if you're drawn against, say, like an Eddie Glush. If you hit two cups in a row and then you see your opponent start to take the Michael um, and start missing his throws and just not really caring and he's not hitting the hit zones correctly, I mean, that's oh, that's that's confidence building in itself because the pressure valve just gets instantly released because you've got a little bit of a lead and you know that there's not going to be any pressure coming from the other end. So that really then allows you to just focus on your spots, not be nervous. And then the two cup lead ultimately leads to victory. So it's all about Eddie and any other player in in that circumstance where they feel like they, they may be not at the level of their opponent and they go down a little bit early you have to keep pressing. You have to keep at least a modicum of pressure from your end of, of the table because if that pressure isn't there, you're just, you're just handing the victory to your opponent. And if you're just, handing the, you're just handing victories to your opponents, why are you there? You know, there's no fun in constantly being tossed out. And Eddie, start to, Eddie started to really work on that because as we can see, a 6-4, a 6-4, and a 6-3, when he was down early, um, that's, that's, that's not a humiliation. I mean, that's stuff to work on because, you know, next tournament now, if he comes into the next tournament, starts hitting his shots early, and suddenly there's there's no two-cup two deficit that he's dealing with, well, just keep doing what you're doing then. You know, you don't even have to worry about the opposition um, not feeling any pressure because there will be pressure there instantly. So sometimes um, just how the game unfolds early um, really dictates the the momentum of the game, but you shouldn't really let it get to you in that aspect because if it unfolds early in your favor, well, that's great. Keep hitting your shots. But if it unfolds early in the opponent's favor, you just must not let that dictate your attitude. You shouldn't let the circumstance dictate your attitude. You should let your attitude dictate the circumstance. And I think that's the main, that's the main, um, that's the main thought process to take into the games of beer pong. So, Eddie improvement there. Josh's improvement, um, strong strong group performance. Uh, lost to clinch, 6-5, um, but by that stage had already guaranteed himself passage to the next to the next round. Um, actually, that was a 6-5 win to Josh. I think that's a, a typo here on the form. So Josh made it to the quarterfinals. Um, some strong showings uh, re- really showed his quality, but maybe just showed that his lack of uh, consistency in actually playing beer pong of late um, contributed to his tailing out towards the quarterfinal stage because it was a rather limp showing in the quarterfinals uh, to Liam. I mean, I guess maybe that is taking a bit away from Liam because Liam really showed, as we said earlier, that improvement in the tournament. But you would have liked to see a bit more than a 6-4 because a 6-4 in a quarterfinals um, isn't the same as a 6-4 in a group. A 6-4 in a quarterfinals, once you hit the quarterfinal stages, I mean, you've done quite a bit right in the groups 
and you want to be at least, if you want to go out, you want to go out 6'5". I mean, there's no there's no shame in, in bowing out 6'5 and potentially having a redeemer in a quarterfinals. There's absolutely no shame in that. So, I mean, again, though, it's it's a quarterfinal. So there's something there for, for Josh to hang on to and build towards in the next tournament, um, which is going to be a part of in, in Beer Pong XX. So what I think Josh would probably benefit more from is getting a tough group early. So if Josh gets a tough group early, then it really puts him into that mindset, that competitive mindset. And look, we, we know Josh has a, has a competitive mindset, you know, all, all you need to do is look at the, uh, look at the mats, right? And if you're questioning his competitive mindset, you know, you'll be putting an armbar uh, or a rear naked choke within 25 seconds. So he just needs to take that same intensity into the beer pong uh, arena, you know, so if he gets if he gets put against some heavyweights early, that'll instantly switch on his competitive drive, and I think that'll help with that tailing out aspect. Because if he's if he's put into a a good competitive mindset early, then that should sustain him for the tournament. You know, should get the get the juices flowing, get him um, acting in the right manner, get his mentality right. So, if I was Josh, I would I would actually be hoping for a tough draw heading into the next tournament because his quality's there. We know that. And if his quality's there and his mindset's there, then as always, he's a he's a big threat. And um, he's someone that's going to be looking to add to his silver silverware as well in uh, Beer Pong XX. So, so there, that's something to definitely to think about in Josh's aspect. So that's Group A and B uh, wrap up right there. And uh, stick with us because we're going to head now to the Group C and D wrap up and then finish with the finals. Speak soon. So group C and group D now. So a couple of interesting groups there. Group group C, as we touched on in the podcast before the um, tournament 19, we kind of imagine that it's a group of death because of the particular type of players in there, the number of championships involved and the rankings. So it was definitely the highest ranked group um, out of the previous tournaments. It contained uh, myself, Alex, Mutz and Bryce. So we, <laughs> we predicted it might be a tough group for Bryce. That turned out to be the case. Uh, Bryce finished at the bottom of the group. Uh, with a minus seven cup difference. Uh, it was a disappointing tournament for Daniel Meltzer, um, who finished third, got the one win over Bryce, but finished with a minus one cup difference. Had a a classic, classic game against Alex, um, right smack bang in the middle of the group, which was all important because coming into that game, um, which I'll touch on briefly, just more so for the point of view of Alex. So Alex came into that having been uh, quite comprehensively beaten by myself 6-1. Um, and Mutz had come into that with a close fought 6-5 win over Bryce. So this game was all important because if Mutz had picked up this win, um, he pretty much would have been set and through. So it was it was one of those games in beer pong that you just absolutely love and adore and that really evokes all kinds of emotions 
about why we love the sport. So one of those games where there's two games going on, but towards the end of the game, no one on the other table is playing because everyone's just focusing on this table. Um, a bit of history between the two competitors as well. Uh, they love to compete against each other. Um, locked up at five all, pretty much winner is going to go to the next stage and pretty much loser is going to bow out of the tournament. So they each had a game to follow, Alex against Bryce, uh, Mutz against myself, but pretty much this game was the decider and it, so it turned out to be. And um, Alex just showed a lot of resolve coming back off of that 6-1 defeat first up at the start of the tournament is is no mean feat. So, I mean, it really speaks to the the mental fortitude of Alex there to be able to rebound against a tough opponent in Daniel, um, a, a top five ranked opponent, and to reverse the trend, reverse his form, and actually come up trumps in such a close and uh, very, very hotly contested encounter. And set the scene for the rest of Alex's tournament as well. Um, but... In terms of Mutz, yeah, a little bit, I mean, it is disappointing because the couple of tournaments where he's been involved in a group of death, they have gone much this way. So the tournament previously was very similar. Um, Mutz bowed out of the group stage and then again bowing out um, of the group stage for this tournament. Um, He's not going to be competing in Beer Pong XX. He's just being pretty cautious with it all um, due to COVID-19. and you know we we at beer pong we we like to um to celebrate people's opinions and their approaches to things and you know if if people have a view different to um, the chief medical officer or um, epidemiologists worldwide and within Australia and that if he feels that um, he's got a better approach to things then we are definitely going to support Daniel through that and he he's more than welcome to um skip this gathering um, because of those reasons and probably a couple of others that he's not disclosing. So that's that's more than fine for Daniel there. We are sim, um, but yeah, just just being pretty cautious with it all there. So um in terms of in terms of myself, I, I was um managed to come out of that group um in in first place, which which was pleasing. Um and then I, I drew Jerome in the, the quarterfinals. We'll just touch on that game briefly um in group D. Um, after Group D, uh, rather. So a very good group for Alex, considering that first first game drubbing. And a bit of context in regard to that first game was that there was the narrative that was quite widely documented that I think there was a 9-0 and zero record between myself and Alex that um, he just hadn't managed to, to beat me. And the whole theme going into that was it, it, it's a good thing that he's drawn me first game group D because it's just a point where he can lay down a marker and say the past is the past. Um, it's not going to be 10 and he's going to start from now to reverse that trend and it couldn't have gone much worse for him to start with to, to go down that that early and to make it to make it 10 and 0 is, is unheard of in, in beer pong and to then draw me again in the semi-finals and to have a comeback win in that game 
was absolutely exceptional. And aside from the Harry and Tom game and Harry ultimately winning and winning his fourth, it's it's a little bit um, disappointing that 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 isn't the take the take home part of this tournament of tournament nineteen because that was an exceptional display of uh, competitiveness, uh, mental toughness, and and beer pong ability. So uh, we will cover that again in the semifinals briefly. But yeah, that that was that should be um, that's warranted to be the absolute takeaway from this tournament. Um, Mutz had a potential to escape the groups if he had beaten me 6-3, but he just never got off to to a strong start there and came close. It was a 6-5 victory, but um, once I'd gotten the fourth cup, um, I I was through already in that aspect. So, um, yeah, disappointing for Mutz, but hopefully... um, in the tournament 21, if he's uh, willing to be a part of it, um, he can start to claw back at that reputation that's kind of just chipped off from recent tournaments. So um, Bryce, I guess, had a had a very good first up game against Mutz and came exceptionally close, 6-5. And that game was actually throw for throw when it was 5-5. Lots of rims from both competitors that were hit and and Bryce was fancying his chances. There was actually a little bit of trash talk in that game as well, which we absolutely don't mind Um, and came very close and against against myself, um, just wasn't really a competition in that game. It was 6-3. He was a little bit wayward in his throw and the same with Alex. But again, takeaways is what is everything in beer pong. And that's a good takeaway there for Bryce is that he came exceptionally close against Mutz, a top competitor there, just just couldn't get the chocolates in the end. So it was an exciting group, Group C. Um, and yeah, just just can't bang on any more about that Alex Mutz game of, of that ended up being 6-5. And those games are literally what we live for, whether it could go either way is. Um, group A had won that with Etzen Noah, which was the, the 6-5, which was just absorbing viewing um and yeah so then we move into group d and so group group d was by far my favorite group of the tournament as it played out um you look at the standings and you see harry three wins from three plus five cup difference and you instantly think oh he just absolutely just you know imperious form you know from the get-go looked like he was going to win the tournament um, no, you would be mistaken there. So this is this is just adding to, to Harry's legacy as well, this tournament, because he he actually lost that first game to Nick. So 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 Goulds had won that first game. And you know, this is classic Goulds, giant killer Goulds, the moments that he lives for, or so he says, um, drawing the big heavyweight early, knocking him off. But Harry sunk a redeemer. And I guess when you win a game and there's still the redeemer to come, just because of the the low chances of the opponent seeking, sorry, the opponent sinking the redeemer, you think the game's over. You think the game's done and dusted. You think you've won the game. Not when you're playing Harry. Um, Came back with the redeemer, then sunk the winner. And from that moment... The narrative wasn't, oh, Harry's on, like he's going to win, Harry's on, because he'd actually allowed that sixth cup to be sunk from Goulds. So 
in retrospect, in hindsight, looking back to it, you're, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a, the true testament of a champion is that he just won't lie down. And that is correct. But however, the form that he was in wasn't really strong. And in, in actuality, this, this was such a tough tournament for Harry. And although he wasn't throwing as, as he normally does, because he can come out of a tournament with a plus nine, plus 10, uh, come out of a group rather with a plus nine, plus 10 cup difference, and he never looked like losing. And, and that, that's the Harry that we've come to see is that when Harry's on, he doesn't really give the opponent a chance. But it was really interesting to see a different side of Harry in this tournament where he was up against it. He was battling. You know, from, from that moment, so that was a 6-5-er. Next game against Will was a 6-5-er. And then he he knocked off his old foe and, and uh, Bunny Jez, uh, 6-3. But then had a tough, tough time of it in the quarters, which we will cover, 6-5. In the semifinal, 6-5. And then ultimately was just too strong in the grand final, 6-3. But it's the versatility that Harry showed then should be should be a scary point for the rest of the competitors heading into the next tournament. Because in in past, if you, if you see a Harry in the group stages that isn't hitting his shots, that maybe you've got a one-cup lead for the duration of the game, you think, oh, well, you know, I back myself here because Harry's either on or he's not. But yeah, I mean, he's just added some versatility to his game now, which is scary because now he's a four-time champion. He's out on his own um, once again um, for for the time being at, le- at least. Um, and... He's added a new aspect to his game, that that toughness, that grind where he might not be throwing well, but he gets himself over the line. So, yeah, kudos to Harry. Um, showed a bit of vulnerability, though, because because Goulds, although he's a double champion, sits outside the top 10. Will sits inside the bottom five of the tournament, and they both came within one throw of beating Harry. So I guess the slow start... And then that kind of meandering through the quarterfinals and semifinals leaves himself open to a good competitor taking advantage of him. Because with all due respect to um, Jerome and Tom, he he got a fairly uh, soft draw heading into the semis. And then he was up against it in Liam and you know a 5-5 game could go either way and he won. So um, I guess Harry would probably probably appreciate being drawn in slightly tougher positions, similar to Josh, just so he can really test himself early and then make those necessary throw adjustments. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Harry gets drawn into a tough group because it's been a while since he's been drawn into a tough group, a group of death. Um, so because of these vulnerabilities, you kind of take the approach where if you're analyzing Harry's performances into the future, and you can take it one of two ways. You can take the approach, which I'm sure he will, and he absolutely should, of, well, I wasn't playing well. Yeah, okay, I didn't have the toughest of draws, but I still won and I found a way to win. Or you can take the aspect of he was vulnerable, just limped over the line in a few games, and they were against low-quality opposition. What's going to happen in Pong XX if he gets drawn in tough opposition and he's not hitting his throw like he normally is? So... Interesting. So although he's the reigning champ, um, question marks still remain, which is great because because we love question marks over the top performing players. Because as we said, we want new faces up there. We want new names. We want new blood. We want new plot lines and storylines. So 
Definitely something to take out of that for Harry either way. Goulds, um, again, sound like a bit of a broken record, but disappointing. Uh, much like Ben, we don't want to see a double champion fall by the wayside. And, you know, a strong uh, firing Goulds is brilliant for the competition. You know, he's the he's the spark that we need. He's, the, he's very capable at creating a story out of nothing. You know, he can... Go into a go into a game against a top ranked opponent, get under their skin, and really make a fist of it. He can create plot lines out of pretty much any opponent he's in. Um, uh, you can really tell the influence from his uh, WWE um, viewership and his his fandom in that regard because he he really does bring a lot of energy and showmanship along with him when he plays, and he's absolutely crucial for a a great tournament. And we hope to see more of that again. What I'd like to see is because, I mean, we had a good uh, drawing here against Jez. He just didn't live up to the billing. Jez was clinical, 6-3 in that regard. We'd like to see uh, a Goulds come up against someone that he really wants to get under their skin. You know, Mutz, unfortunately, is gonna be, isn't going to be in Beer Pong XX because he's being pretty cautious with it all. But um, someone, someone like that, that... That if Goulds gets drawn to, he can really make a, he can really make a a story of it in the days leading up to the tournament, and and then that that's that's half the battle won when when Goulds knows that he's he's inside someone's head, and you know this might be Jez again, he might get drawn with Jez again, and he might just try and really really double down on that on that mind games on those mind games rather, and. We, we we love the energy he brings, as I said, reinvigorates the tournament, but he has to start backing that up with with performances. I mean, it's all well and good to be very good in the in the mental and the showmanship aspect, but he does need to start backing it up, otherwise they just ring hollow. Um, if if he continues down this form and there's a lot of uh, performances where you know he's not really strong, then it's really hard for him to to play those mind games to to have that showmanship edge because they just they're hollow because the opponent's like okay you know you can keep talking you can keep talking you can keep acting like that but at the end of the day I'm not scared of you because you know you've gone out in straight sets two or three tournaments in a row you know he doesn't want to have the nickname straight sets goulds right um, he he wants to he wants to go back to the the stages where he was talking trash. And was sinking cups. I mean, that's a scary proposition for a lot of the competitors because you know there's a, there's a lot of competitors that are traditionalists when it comes to beer pong. You know, they talk a bit of banter, but at the end of the day, they let the cups dictate. What's great about Goulds is he can be down, uh, say four one, heading uh, into a game, and he's still talking trash. So you know, it doesn't really let the the opponent off the hook. So with the the way he throws, um, he's always around the mark. If his chat's on form as well and he starts sinking cups, well, there you go. Like, there's there's the there's the roadmap. You know, you just feel like saying, there it is, take it. You know how to approach it. So let's just hope he can start putting some putting some wins together. Um, Will was an Will was a, a really welcome surprise in how he performed. Another one of those, another one of those uh one shot away from Winning, you know, against against Jez was stuck in five five for felt like ages. On Harry, hit how many rims? 
stuck on fire five, could have won the game, but didn't. Um, you know, he wins just, just one of those games. Then he's against uh, Goulds in that final game, which was a dead rubber. Um, and he's a chance of making the quarters. So, you know, we just, we, we want to see more of Will because because he, he loves buying into the, the theater of it. And the more people that buy into the theater and that are happy to put themselves about, and that can actually make strong performances, it just builds the integrity of the tournaments. So we love that. We want to see more of Will. Um, you know, we're happy that he, he came and... Um, and participated in, in Beer Pong 19. Uh, the roster is still to be finalized for Beer Pong XX, but we are thinking that it's going to be done on a most tournament basis just for equity's sake. But, you know, coming into the future, we definitely want to see Will there. And the the quality that he showed in Group D against, uh, you know, against arguably the greatest of all time in Harry against Jez um, was, was exceptional. So, it was a good good tournament for Will. Came very close to coming out and yeah, hopefully we see more into the future. All right, guys, stick with us and we're just going to finish off the podcast by briefly ticking through the quarterfinals, semifinals and grand final. Stay with us. <laughs> 